started, I wanted to share an announcement and then uh, um, something else with you guys. But uh, this coming uh, Saturday, July 15th at 1 o'clock, we're going to have a memorial service here at the building for uh, Christian Joel Washington, CJ. And um, uh, we're, uh, you know, everyone's invited for that. So 1 o'clock here at the building next Saturday. I want to read a card from the Washington family here if I could. And... Um, uh, this is from them to, uh, to the congregation. It says, Dear church family, there are no words to express our gratitude for all the hugs, calls, texts, food, and prayers. We are overwhelmed by the outpouring of love we have received. Most of all, we would like to thank you for being our friends. We are so grateful to have such a supportive and loving church family in Christ, the Washingtons and family. Um, before we get started, I'd like to say a prayer uh, for them. And so, if you wouldn't mind, if we could all just join arms, bridge the aisles here, and make sure that uh, make sure that there's no gaps in between us. All right, let's pull together as a church family here in prayer uh, for the Washingtons. Uh, let's pray. God, we uh, we come to you, and and Father, it is uh, you know, it, what do you say, Father? It, there's a These, these times are tough, Father. They're, they're difficult. Um, I can't even wrap my mind around what the Washingtons are going through, Father. And we lift them up to you, God, and we know that uh, you're comforting them through us. It's encouraging to read that card to know that the family is pulling together in, in, in a time like this. God, the, the body is supposed to rejoice when one part rejoices and mourn when one part mourns. And, Father, to see that that's happening is very encouraging. We pray that you wrap your, wrap your arms around the Washingtons at this time. We, we pray uh, for them. We pray that you comfort them and strengthen them, Father. We know so many others are going through trials and tribulations as well, God. And as we get into your word today, Father, I pray that we find strength, we find faith, we find encouragement. Um, God, this world, uh, you know, Jesus said it. He said, in this world, you will have much trouble but we have him, and uh, I pray that today, more than ever, we can get our eyes fixed on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. If you would, turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 8. We'll get started there. I got to tell you guys... Um, I've preached a ton in my life. Um, I have never felt this empty before. <laughs> um, there are so there's so much going on that it almost overwhelms you sometimes. Have you ever had those points in life where you're just like, "My gosh, what's going to be the next shoe to drop?" You know, this week we had uh, Rachel's brother had a uh, heart attack last Monday, had a quadruple bypass surgery. Um, he's doing great, praise God. So encouraging. Um, but, uh, you know, going through that was super scary. Then one of our other family members had to go to the ER this week, uh, fell and got hurt. And um, it was just, you know... It's one of those times where you're just like, man, it is one thing after another. And it's so easy for me outside of just when there's challenges to just descend into this hole of being discouraged, being faithless. 
being, you know, disappointed, frustrated, negative. I don't know if any of you can relate to that or not, but I struggle so much just here. You know, I've been a Christian 30 years, and it, it, I feel ashamed to say it, I, it's a struggle for me to think faithfully, to keep my mind set on Jesus. You'd think by now, over half my life's been as a Christian, that I would have that automatic response. But I just struggle. It's so hard for me. And I also, one of the things I also struggle with is I have dystemia, which is like this low-level depression. And it, it, this has been going on for me for years, but clinicians talk about how it's like having a broken wheel on a shopping cart. You can get around and do the shopping, but it takes a lot out of you. And so when you add all those things together, and I'm sure all of us can put a list out too, right? Well, we've got this, this, and this. Sometimes you just go, man, it is hard to live, but then to be faithful too takes on a new challenge, right? Yeah. To think faithfully when the hits keep coming is hard. But I tell you, this thing right here, we got to hold to it more than ever. We got to hold to Jesus more than ever. I'm convinced that our focus on Jesus has just got to be, we got to double, triple, quadruple down on fixing our eyes, fixing our hearts on Jesus. And that's what I want to talk about today. We're going to go through a passage of Scripture here in Matthew 8 that man, I've gone back to so many times because there's a little pattern that shows through some miracles Jesus did of just how amazing and awesome He is. You know, if you could flip this slide, Dale. I wanted to give you this little example here. So how many of you have these little trees in your car or have had them before? Okay, don't be afraid to admit it, you know. Yeah, the black ice one, you know, I know. You've had that, yeah. Or you've had the royal pine, I think is what that one is. Or new car, you know. But here's, here's something I want to ask you with this picture, okay. Which thing in this picture is bigger? Is it that air freshener, or see that car, see one of the two cars on the left or right. Which one's bigger? Okay. Is the air freshener actually bigger? No. It's actually quite a bit smaller, right? When we, with our troubles in our lives, they're often like that air freshener is. We got our face up in them, right? And we're, not, we're thinking, man, these things are massive. This tree is like a redwood. <laughs> and it's really not. It's really pretty small. What, that, what we need to replace that with is getting up in Jesus like that. Where Jesus looks bigger than our problems. Why our problems look so massive is because that's where our focus is. I realized that this week in a big way as I was so worn out and exhausted from all the struggles and I'm like, but where is my mind? Is it on Jesus? Is Jesus bigger than my problems? 
if you ask that to most Christians, they go, yes. But do we live like that? Do we live that way? And I hope that today as we look through these scriptures, you'll be reminded of just how big your God is. Amen. Matthew chapter 8. We're going to start here in verse 23. You've heard me talk about this so many times. You're like, gee, many Christmas, dude. I can't get away from this story. You'll see why here. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the wind swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him. Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith. Or it could also be translated as you of little trust. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now, to understand how this is actually described in the text, this is described as a monster storm, okay? The wording actually in here is it's a furious, seismic, like earthquake-like storm. That's how Matthew describes it. This wasn't a thunderstorm like, you know, we've had here recently. This was an earth-shaking event, okay? I mean, it was something that these guys had never seen before. And they were afraid, right? I, I often look at this and go, man, Jesus, that's a little harsh. You know, if this was actually an earthquake storm, of course they're going to be afraid, right? Of course you are. Hannah and I, a few weeks ago, some of you may have heard the story. We were coming back from camp. I was bringing her back from camp. We'd, I'd driven all the way to Columbia, Missouri, picked her, grabbed her, was bringing her back. It's about 11 o'clock at night. We're out by Webb Road coming in from El Dorado. And my daughter points off to the side. She goes, boy, that looks like a tornado. And I'm thinking, I've been looking at the radar on my phone. You know, I fancy myself as a you know, meteorologist, uh, amateur, you know, because you grew up in the Midwest like everyone is, right? If, especially if you grew up in Wichita, it's like, you better know something about it because it's coming to get you, right? So I'd been looking at this thing for a while and trying to figure out what's going on, and it didn't look that bad to me. But she points at that cloud, and I'm like, I kind of looked at it while I was driving. I kept looking back at it. I'm like, man, and initially I told her, no, nah, that's... You know, we're okay. And then within 10 seconds, we just get hit. I mean, like, it, it actually lifted our car up and turned us around. And I was so disoriented that I thought we were in the ditch on the other side. Because I couldn't see anything. It was raining so hard. I go down and I'm like, don't, the only thing I could think of in my head is don't stop moving. Because I didn't want to get stuck in the ditch. So I just kept driving. I eventually realized, okay, I'm in the grass median on the left of the street I was at. And as I was flipping around, this truck comes and just misses us on the left. I spin around. We get up on the other side and I'm sitting there going, okay, I'm on a road now. And it's raining so hard. We cannot see past the front of the car. And I'm like, okay, this is something, you know, this, something's up, 
You know, I don't know if it's just hard rain at first or what. We start hearing sirens go off. Then my wife calls because she noticed on our little app that I'm not, we're not moving anymore. And she knows there's a storm going. So she calls, and my daughter Hannah's with me. Hannah's crying. I'm like, I don't know what to do next. Like, I can't move. And so we're just sitting there getting hammered for like five minutes. And we finally I finally decide I got to get going the opposite direction because I know the way I'm coming, the way the storm's coming, I got to go away from where the storm's coming, not with it. So I turn, I go up and I find a road, I turn around and I'm hitting the rumble strips and everything trying to, because I just can't see, finally get turned around, it's coming down even harder, I got to stop again, I'm thinking, my gosh, what are we going to do, how are we going to get out of this, and finally we drive far enough, slow enough, hitting rumble strips back and forth that we get to where we're out of it, and I think, man, if those guys face anything near that, Holy cow, we got home and I was like, okay, I don't want to storm chase anymore, you know. I've done my thing. What was crazy was the week before that I was watching the old storm chaser shows because they're on HBO Max and I'm watching them. That would be so cool. I should go back to school and be a meteorologist and all this kind of stuff. Forget that now. No way, dude. I'll stay working as an insurance adjuster. That's enough for me. I'll see the damage from afar. I don't want to see. But it, man, so you think about stuff like that. This is what these guys were facing. They're facing this crazy storm, right? And what happens with Jesus is just amazing. Because when they come to get him up, he just says, stop. And it's over. You know, that kind of power is within you you understand that it's within you that kind of power is within you through Christ that's hard to grasp right it's hard to grasp that that kind of power is within you but I want you to think about those of you who've been Christians for a long time where are you at as opposed to where you were way back then. That shows Christ's power, doesn't it? Some of us that are still, and I say us, that are still here, <laughs> that shows God's power, that that's within us. But the Bible tells us very specifically, it says, more, that you have this power that is within you that is more than you could ever ask, think, or imagine. That power's within you. And guys, I want you to understand this. If you could go ahead and click the slide, Dale, the next slide, or two slides, actually. The title of this is Jesus Unbound. But I want you to think of these miracles of power that Jesus does. And I want you to be reminded of actually how powerful Jesus is. That not only can He calm the storm, but He can calm you in the storm. Right? Sometimes he chooses to do one or the other. But he's going to change a variable. And he can change those variables. There are times in life, guys, when the storm is going to hit you full-fledged right in your face. How are you going to respond when that comes? Some of us, 
and I include myself in this, we get so lackadaisical spiritually because life just becomes mundane. You know, we just day in, day out, we just do the same thing. We get, maybe get away from reading, maybe get away from praying, maybe get away from discipleship, get away from... But, you know, we come to church because you got to do that. But we just get lackadaisical. And then when a storm comes, we're like, ah! Like the guys. And we're not able to just face it the way we should be able to because of our faith. I've spent a lot of time in my life being those guys that are screaming. Too much time not being the one that just faces it head on saying, Jesus, I know you got it. I'm not saying that to disparage anyone at any time when you, get, when you struggle. We all do. But be ready for that. Be ready for it. Because you are going to have trouble. And you got to be ready. It's important that you be ready for what is to come. You know, we continue on here in Matthew 8, and there's a story here that's super interesting. He gets over to, they all get over to the other side after this big storm, and it says, when he arrived at the other side in the region of the Gerardines, two demon-possessed men coming from the tomb met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us, son of God, they shouted. Have you come up here to torture us before the appointed time? Some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. The demons begged Jesus, if you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. He said, go. So they came out and went into the pigs, and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank and into the lake and died in the water. Those tending the pigs ran off went into the town and reported all this, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. Then the whole town went out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave the region. I love that part. Dude, get out of here, right? You can tell that was a godless place, right? Most people would have been like, stay here. We need to understand who you are and how amazing you are, right? But these guys were not. They were like, get out of here, dude. You destroyed our pigs. We have no more bacon. That's enough of you. <laughs> and you got to admit, man, somebody starts messing with your bacon. It's going to be, you know, going to be rough, right? But this story always, and, you know, you guys have heard the story of Legion, right? Essentially, this is the same story. Now, it's a little bit confusing because you look in here and it says two people. The stories in Mark and Luke talk about one. I'll leave that to your own research because we could talk about that, but that takes us a place I don't want to go right now. But research it, okay? It's good to have that answer because some people will come to you and say, this is a contradiction. Go study it. Find it. It's easy. Google it. You'll find it right away. But this story is amazing to me because what it always sticks out to me is how Jesus went so far to, to, to meet these guys or guy. He goes across this sea, takes this long trip by boat to go and deal with the worst of the worst. 
You know, it talks about the story with Legion, how he was bound by chains and those couldn't even hold him. He would holler out at night, scratching himself and was just a mess. He was the worst of the worst. People were just like, we can't deal with this guy. Put him outside of the town. He's too much. But yet Jesus went out of his way across the stormy sea to meet these guys. That's the Lord that we serve. He goes out of his way to meet you where you're at. You know that at any time, any point in the day, no matter where you are, no matter what's going on, that you have access to Jesus? Don't let that fall on you as like, oh, whatever. Could you imagine being back in Old Testament times and someone said something like this to you? Blasphemy! Because it wasn't true, right? You had to go through, there was this whole elaborate process to get access to the Lord. Right now, you just have it. Anytime, no matter what's going on, no matter what struggles you're facing, you can pray and you have access to Jesus. And He comes to meet you where you're at. Isn't that amazing? It's a, the, miracles like this, and I call these miracles of light because He's bringing light to a dark place. You can go ahead and shift it again, Dale. Um, but this access, I don't want you to lose the power that is right there for you. I'll tell you guys, I, I'm astonished when I think about how many times I have not prayed when I could have. You know, I don't know how many of you are like me. I'm pretty bullheaded, but I try. I always think I can handle it. And it may just be a survival you know, thing from having a broken home and being by myself a lot. But I always think, man, I got this. And then the actual punch comes and you're like, no, I don't. (laughs) But how many times do we power through without just humbling ourselves before Jesus and having him come and meet us where we are? Guys, all of us are like these dudes in and of ourselves. We're mess beyond words without Jesus. But with Him, because of Him, we can be functional, we can be powerful, we can be amazing, we can be the body of Christ. <laughs> and I want to encourage you guys with that. Don't let, don't let the troubles of life keep you from Jesus. Get in your word, get in prayer. Listen to music. Whatever it takes to get you close to Jesus, do it. If it means going out to a park and walking, if it means staying up late and praying, whatever it means, do it. Because it's right there. There's so many people, so many of our brothers and sisters from back thousands of years ago who would have given their left arms to have what we have. This access to the Almighty. Any time, any place. Are you taking advantage of that? I want to ask you a question real quick. If somebody said tomorrow, 
that Jesus was going to be live and in person at 13th and Tyler. I don't have any idea why there. It's the first thing that popped in my head. <laughs> but just said, he's going to show up at 13th and Tyler. He's going to be there live and in person. And you had it verified by some sources that said, yes, this is in fact happening. What would you do to see him? If you're a Christian with any kind of anything, you'd be there camping out. You'd go there right away, camp out overnight and saying, I'm going to see Jesus. And I'm going to wait all day and all night. As long as he's there, I'm going to wait till I get to be with him. Why don't we do that now? When we have that same opportunity? It's right there. Every day. Will you do it? I know it's a struggle, guys. It's hard. There's sometimes when I pray and things get worse. Have you ever had that happen? You ever had that happen where you're like, man, I haven't prayed in a while, and I'm going to go pray, I'm going to give it to God, and you go out, and then you come back, and you have an attitude. <laughs> That's happened to me a bunch of times, to go out and pray, God, and I'm like, man, I just realized how bad things really are by praying. So I think I go back and pray again. If Jesus had to pray in the garden three times, I'm going to have to pray about 300 times to get my heart right, right? So we go on here, Matthew 9. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralytic lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this point, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven? Or get up and walk, but so that, you may, so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, get up, take up your mat, and go home. And the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God, who had given such authority to men. Then keep going here in verse 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, he said, and Matthew got up and followed him. This is such a cool thing. This miracles of salvation is what I call this. This is so cool because there's two distinct situations here. There's this paralytic who's, you know, been... Uh, you know, he, he can't walk, he can't do anything, and his friends bring him to Jesus, and they say, Jesus can take care of this guy. And it's such, it's so powerful to think about, but what I think is so amazing to me about both of these stories, about this paralytic and about Matthew, is the individual attention that Jesus gives us. The individual attention. He has, you have to understand, okay, how many people are on this earth? Seven billion at last count. It seems to grow exponentially, right? But do you even know with all those seven billion, if they all decided to pray to God at once, 
it still wouldn't overwhelm God. Can you imagine that? And that when you pray, do you know that God's attention is not divided, but it's directly on you? Just like with this paralytic, just like with Matthew, his attention when it's supposed to be on you is on you. And you know what's even crazier than that? It's not just when you pray, but it's all the time. Isn't that nuts? That doesn't even make sense. I try to get somebody's attention to talk to them. Or they try to get their... You know what uh, Tim said last week about the attention span being less than a goldfish? I've been thinking about this this week. I'm like that. I don't even know that I have eight seconds. I probably got like four. So if you're talking to me and I just go like this, you'll know. I've got problems, okay? I'm trying. But Jesus is not like that. Jesus' attention span is infinite. And his eyes are always on you. And when you pray, there's an even deeper connection. It's as if you're the only person on the face of the earth. And I think for us to just throw that away like we do, like it's just water, (laughs) air, it's just sad. But we do that, don't we? We just go, "Ah, whatever. And we have so much. We've got that right here in front of us. Guys, these, all these stories, there's so much more to it. Man, I could go on and on. Each one of these things could be their own deal. But what I want you to see more than anything is, one, the power that is, within, that is within and the focus that Jesus puts on us. And that you can go to him every day, every minute, every second. Even if you could somehow pray 24 hours a day without sleeping, Guess what? You wouldn't wear Jesus out. He'd be like, keep it coming. He's always there. And I know some of us, when things like the challenges that come, one of the first things I start feeling is alone. That's one of those things where, I'll just be honest with you guys, I have abandonment issues. I do. My, my dad left when I needed him most, and we've since reconciled, and it's awesome. But, boy, that left this thing in me where I'm like, don't leave me. But, you know, Jesus never abandons us. He's always there. And I know you've heard that, and it may sound like a broken record, but that's what I wanted to remind you of today. More than anything, Jesus is unbound. He can do whatever. The laws of physics don't matter to him. You've heard it said what comes up must come down. Not if Jesus doesn't want it to. He can do whatever he wants. He can do it at any time. And it doesn't matter what demons you have, he can help you overcome. And it doesn't matter how bad of a person you might have been, like Matthew, the traitor to his people tax collector, who was named Levi, but then his name was changed to Matthew, which meant gift of God. 
the guy that stole people's gifts from God then became a gift to God because of Jesus. This is what's available to you from the unbound Jesus. I want to encourage you this week, give your heart to whatever it is that, tighten, that gets you close to Jesus more than ever. Take a revival week. Get out and pray, read your Bible, whatever it is that gets you close to Jesus, do it. Because not only will you be ready for the challenges are to come, but it's also going to change your perspective from looking at the little tree and going, dude, that's huge, to going, let me see my God who's even bigger. Amen. Amen. Let's go to God in prayer. God, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for how you love us, and thank you for your unbound son, Jesus. None of the things that, you know, can tighten us up or get us all roped down, God, rope down your son. And I do pray that in every way we can focus in on the power that he has, and we can zero in on the relationship that we have, and we can grow closer and closer to him. God, help us to throw off our our apathy, God, to throw off our whatever it is that's weighing us down and fix our eyes and hearts on the one who can change everything. We love you. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.